Well, thanks for uh, coming to an all-church Sunday school. So this is kind of a special occasion where we are in the process of vetting Brock Pena to be an elder. As you know, we presented him before the congregation a week ago, and we have two weeks to collect dirt on him. And should the dirt be compelling, well, hopefully that won't happen. We try to do a bunch of background research. But, you know, one thing is uh, when somebody becomes a, a shepherd of the church, it's important that the sheep know the shepherd. And so what we want to do today is just kind of have a time to kind of help you know Brock. I mean, I think 14 years ago when he came to church, there was one Brock. But now there's a different Brock, right? You know, the, God's grace has been evident uh, all the way through. So let me go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time to get together and, and just get to know Brock, and we're just so thankful for the work you've done in his life. And I pray that this will be a real helpful time as um, our congregation is able to see into his heart and see the work that you have done, uh, to see your grace and how your grace has just changed and transformed him into the man that he is today. pray that all of us will be encouraged by this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Brock, now that you're on the hot seat, um, I have some additional, no, we actually, we actually went through some questions beforehand. Uh, and, and the goal of this, again, is just to help you guys know uh, Brock Pena, but that kind of start with the obvious, right? You know, tell us maybe just some of the basic, like, baseball card stats about you. You know, how old, what do you do, wife, kids. Yeah, so I am 33 years old. Uh, we've been married. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary on August 4th, yes. which is exciting. Um, so my wife, Adriana, is right over there. Uh, we have four girls um, from seven down to two, just yes. turned two. Um, so we, I, I have been in education. That's been, I was a teacher for eight years, and recently, uh -huh. the last few years, I've been a principal at uh, an elementary school in the next county. So uh -huh. uh, we've really loved this church. I came here in college, um, and we've been here uh, ever since, so, yeah. Yeah, so kind of building on that, uh, maybe give us your testimony. How did you come to know the Lord? Sure. Um, my mom took us to church. I grew up with my three siblings and my mom um, in southwest Kansas, and we, we started going to church when I was early elementary age, probably second or third grade or something like that. Um, and we went to a little bit more charismatic church. So we started with an Assemblies of God church, and then after a while we went to a, a non-denominational, even more charismatic church. Um, so my background is, is in that. That's kind of what I grew up knowing. Um, so I, uh, some of the good things about that background was that it was very clearly taught to us that sin was bad, right? There was, there was mm -hmm. no okaying sin. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they taught clearly there's certain things that God says you shouldn't do. Um, and there's certain things that God says you should do. Um, but other than that, I think there was an emphasis on kind of an emotionalism and, a, and a, almost a mysticism that can be, uh, that can characterize those kinds of churches. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, you like know, the, God told me. the sign gifts and prophecies yeah. and speaking in tongues and doing all, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so I grew up in that. And, and so some of it sometimes got a little, little lively. But yes. uh, so... There was did you not, ever dance in church? I never did. Okay. There were those who did, though. Okay. I was a little bit like just watching people. You okay. Know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, there. It was not uncommon to see some people taking laps around and, and yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Like I said, it was lively. Yeah. So um, we would have like prophets come in, prophets, mm -hmm. and they would prophesy about who would be the next president and and all all these kinds of stuff. So did they ever prophesy over you? Um, 
probably. Okay. I, I don't know. It's been, <laughs> it's sometimes been they would time. just like walk out in the crowd and they would kind of, you know, okay. start talking to you. So, so that was your background. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my background. I, I, so what I understood about God was that he didn't like sin and that yeah. we needed to be saved. And so that was kind of a basic thing. I didn't really know what we were being saved to. I just know that I've done some bad stuff and God's disappointed in me. So I want him to stop being disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's truth in that, but then there's a lot, of, a lot missing. So yeah. I grew up in that and ended up transferring to Emporia State. I didn't know anybody here. Um, moved over here about my, I think it was my, my junior year of, of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, started going to um, ESU. Met some friends there, and they, several of them came here to the college ministry here. And through common conversations my first semester, it took about several months, mm-hmm. um, they, they kind of challenged me on some things, and, mm-hmm. and my theology began to shift. And it was, I remember I was listening to a, a sermon by a reformed pastor, and, mm-hmm. and I finally it clicked that, that God uh, was saving me for himself. And I, I was saved to a relationship with him, and, and I was called to be holy, but that was all a work of his grace. Um, I was very much a strong um, free will, like this is my decision, I have to uh-huh. make it, and, um, and that was just changed. The, the, the sovereignty of God and salvation was, was kind of laid out for me, and I, I kind of understood it, and I believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really fully embraced the, the full biblical gospel. Um, and this church had a, a hand in that because I, I started going to here because I was attending a different church. There wasn't a big college uh, mm-hmm. group, and so I wanted to be where college students were. Um, came here. One of the first uh, topics we you were teaching, you were teaching at the time, yes, um, was about speaking in tongues. And I was like, whoa, that's so that's not a thing. Like, so I started going to that, and <laughs> we we were that was during uh, the college Sunday school, right? Yeah, college oh, Sunday yeah. school. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a lot of things. And I remember it was me and one other girl, Shalisa, if you remember her. But she, we were kind of had the charismatic background, and everybody else was like, this is duh. But I was like. Yes. So it was a I lot of new that. stuff. Th- for those me. were very lively discussions. <laughs> they that were. We had. It was. Yeah. It was fun. Um, but so over the over the course of those months of that first semester yeah. into the that first year, um, sometime in there, I, I believed and and understood the full gospel. Yeah. So I remember your baptism, where you actually did a backflop <laughs> into the pool. Do you remember that? You're like the most. It's like you jumped up, arched your back, and then you splashed. <laughs> I don't it, remember that. It was but. like I was at the front row at SeaWorld. It was, hey, um, well, I'll never forget that. Got to make it lively however you can. Yeah, lively, yeah. So you're still bringing the charisma back into this right. church. So that's good. <laughs> so uh, kind of walk us through uh, just how you met and married Anna. Yeah, so that's another. One of our most successful college romances, hey. by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met Adriana on campus. We... Um, neither one of us can remember exactly where we met, but we met in a Christian, one of the, either Christian Challenge or Crew, I don't remember which one. Um, but over that first year, we, we both got involved in Crew uh, and on kind of the student leadership side. And we were kind of in these same groups together. We were friends. Um, so and it was over, that, over that first year, our, our friendship grew, and, and I decided, hey, I kind of like her. She's pretty, and I think she's godly, and I mm-hmm. think maybe we can be married someday. So, um, I after that first year, it was into the second year uh, of being at school, I, I asked her to go on a date with me, and it only took her two weeks to say yes. So it took her w- two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, yeah. 
So you said, would like to get, did he text her or actually ask well, her We presence? actually went, inner being, inner being success story. Uh, we went to the inner being and, and talked for a little bit and I kind of talked about how I wanted to start dating her and um, with an intentional, you know, eye toward marriage. I don't just want to date to date for, that's, yeah. that's not good. <laughs> so we um, talked about that and she said, okay, I'll think about it. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. I was like, don't you know what kind of catch I am? That's what I was thinking. Uh, I, I forgot to mention I was pretty arrogant. Uh, yeah. So I came in here, I, I thought I knew. You everything. do understand what I'm asking you about. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean. So anyway, we, we started two weeks into that. So two weeks. Two weeks. So she made me wait. after one week, what was going through your mind? I was like, uh, she either forgot or <laughs> she's going to say <laughs> did no. You, did she forget the conversation? <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway. And you guys so, were interacting. And you'd see her at church, and you. Well, let's see. At this time, there was. Some, it must have been like a break in classes, because I remember I saw her at the Shirk's wedding, and yeah, I still was waiting on an answer. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, she came to her senses. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Eventually, she she decided. Well, I'll give him a chance. So we started dating a little bit. We dated for a while, and then we broke up. Um, then several months later, we got back together and then got married in 2012, right, right before we started, both of us started teaching jobs. So, Okay. Yeah. So that was 10, 10 years ago. Yep. So let's kind of pivot just to, you know, life here, just where you are right now. Um, who are some of your favorite authors and preachers? I mean, were there any books that were really shaping for you? Yeah, I, I've... I might be a little bit different in this. I don't have particular, um, there's a few preachers and a few authors that I like, mm -hmm. but I don't really latch onto someone and then do all of their stuff. A lot of what I listen to or what I read is dictated by kind of the stage of life I'm in or, or what I'm studying for. Okay. But some of, the, some of the common ones that keep coming up, like um, preachers would be MacArthur, mm -hmm. um, John Piper, and um, like Kevin DeYoung to, to an extent, so there, and R.C. Sproul. Those were the ones that would, when I was having trouble with the text and I was having to teach it or something, I would, I would go check those guys, usually yeah. in that older order, MacArthur, Piper, DeYoung, um, mm -hmm. so, and Sproul. So I would, I would listen to their stuff from time to time. Um, authors, kind of the same thing. Uh, it's been dictated by when I was getting ready to get married, we were reading, I was reading marriage books. When I was getting ready to, to have Graceland, our, our firstborn, I was reading parenting books. So, so there were several of the books that were really formative would be, um, like, of course, Exemplary Husband. That's the one that everybody reads. And that's right. It's, it's, it'll beat you up a little bit as, yeah, a, for as sure. a man. Yep. Um, uh, as parenting, we, Shepherding Your Child's Heart was very formative to me. It kind of mm -hmm. helped me understand how discipline uh, works yep. and not is not just punishing your kid, but it's, it's shepherding yeah. and discipling and training. And so uh -huh. that was really good. Um, and the duties duties of parents was mm -hmm. I read that from time to time still today. But J.C. Ryle, old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very short. It's great. Uh, so that one. Then there's there, I've been thinking a lot about leadership for the last few years as I yeah. kind of trained to a different job, um, became a principal, and I thought, okay, I better figure out some leadership stuff. And so I've been leading really. Leading a lot of, um, reading a lot of leadership books. One of them that we've read together was uh, Conviction to Lead. I think that's a, the, by far the best one I've read uh -huh. uh, by Al Mohler. So that's yeah. a very thoughtful, very helpful book. Um, really changed how I think about leadership. Um, uh, maybe, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I always knew that leadership, I don't view myself as like a natural leader. So I, uh -huh. I would say that my, I, 
I used to think leadership was being charismatic and being having a strong personality and knowing the right things to say and doing. So I thought it was very yeah. um, kind of it's kind of mysterious. You either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conviction to lead helped me understand that great leaders lead out of the out of the convictions that they hold um, deeply. And so their their decisions, where it might seem to somebody else that you're, man, that person, that leader just makes all the right decisions. It's just some kind of magical thing. They're just a leadership guru. Well, no, more likely it's that person has thought through issues deeply, mm-hmm. and then it's just natural to make decisions informed by those convictions. And so uh-huh. when you have right convictions, you make right decisions generally, yeah. and that really, it kind of demystified leadership for me a little bit. That yeah. and... Um, like talking with you a lot, we, we've been meeting about these kinds of things, and, and mm-hmm. you just really drove home that if, if you don't lead, like somebody's going to lead. Yeah. So if the right people don't lead, the wrong people will, and they will go the wrong way, and, and it can cause all kinds of problems. So mm-hmm. um, seeing that, uh, while I may not be like this wonderful, amazing leader, but I, I know convictionally what's right, uh-huh. and I can, I can do it and as a service to, to the people that I lead. Yeah. So that was, that was really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been some other leadership books, but yeah, we can go on, but there's yeah, I think Yeah, and I think it's been really, yeah, we meet once a month and you kind of approached me because you're becoming a principal mm-hmm. and you wanted to know more about leadership. I mean, kind of walk us through, like now that you're a principal, you talked about conviction to lead. I mean, how does that show itself like in the workplace for you as you lead a school and lead a teaching team? I think the, the biggest way that it informs my leadership is in how I deal and how I treat people. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't view them as people that I need to manipulate and push into positions and do things that I need to so that I can, we can be successful. Uh-huh. It's, um, I'm, I'm serving them and loving them and, and giving them the supports they need so that they can do their job and yeah. so that we can really care for the students at our school, which is the key. So whereas like sometimes I would hear in, in leadership education podcast, like you, you do what you do for the kids, and you do the kids, 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 and that's great. That yeah. is why a school exists, but I don't interact with the kids near as much as the, as the teachers do and the other staff members, so mm-hmm. I, I want to really serve my staff and help them so that mm-hmm. they have what they need to do their jobs because they're the ones doing the day-to-day, hour-by-hour work with students. So talking to them, uh, seeing what they need, uh, seeing the, the challenges and things that are that are, that are facing them, and that's a really practical, helpful way that I can love the students mm-hmm. is by equipping their teachers who they're spending all the time with. Okay. So how, how has um, your role as a leader shown itself, let's say, in your family? Oh, yeah. There's, I, I know that the leader is where the leader goes, that you know, your, your family will follow you. So I, I've seen good and bad where I've had um, seasons of um, like spiritual apathy, and I can mm-hmm. see that in my family. And I can see, um, you know, your children often reflect you. So like mm-hmm. when they're irritable and they're impatient and they complain, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm modeling that for them. So there's a lot of that. I, I know that my behavior and my the way that I treat their mother in particular, the way that I um, speak of. Uh, people that I work with or mm-hmm. the church, that all of that influences how they view those things as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a, a lot of the habits, spiritual habits I have, um, they are observed and, and practiced yeah. by my family. Yeah. Well, walk us through maybe just 
ministry and just what are your passions for ministry? What do you what gets you up in the morning when you think about church? Yeah, I I love teaching. Uh, uh-huh. Teaching is is probably the primary passion. I love Sunday school is is one of my uh, favorite parts of the ministry. I, I get to get up and and really. Um, I have a great joy in, in seeking to understand something and then trying to present it in a way that's, mm-hmm. that's clear and helpful. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really uh, one of my great passions. I, lo- I love to counsel. Um, to that, I mean, that's what our Sunday school class is about, is biblical counseling. Um, so trying to think about um, how the scripture can help inform and, and build up the people that I'm talking with. And, and not that it's got to be some formal thing where we're in an office, but like, day to day when I'm having conversations with people and encouraging them and applying scripture in ways that are, that are directing them to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so you're teaching biblical counseling mm-hmm. right now. So what, um, what is it about that topic that really has captivated you? Well, there are a couple of things. One, one thing that comes to mind quickly is our, our culture is pretty um, psychologized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, being in the school system too, I can see how our, our counselors and our, our uh, student support people who help with emotional and, and behavioral issues, mm-hmm. um, I see kind of the, the weakness of, of what they're doing and how it's not addressing the heart of the kid. Mm. So they're, they're trying to, I mean, to me, it, it comes down to they're trying to like kind of manipulate and trying to carrot and sticks yeah. in the right you know, mixture to, to cause this kid to do what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not dealing with the heart. Um, so and it's and it's the other problem with it is it's not really informed by a biblical anthropology. Like they don't understand yeah. that everybody is a sinner and they have desires that are causing some of these behaviors. And and it's all like, well, we just need to put them in the right situation and we need to make sure that we eliminate these things and put these things in place. Yeah. Well, no, the, the little little guy's a little sinner and he's gonna mm-hmm. still want the same things that he wants or mm-hmm. she. Uh, so there's. Um, so that has been just a really practical one that I see quite a bit. Um, the need for what God says is the, is the way to help um, a little kid or, or a yeah. grown-up. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how you mentioned shepherding a child's heart was so informative for you. And if I were to pick like one book that kind of pulls people into the orbit of biblical counseling, I'd say it's that one. Because you can't just sit down and do psychology sessions with your children. You know, you're really going after the heart issue. So, uh, yeah, so was that kind of what, did I read that right? Yeah, I mean, that, that was something that started with, you know, with my kids, we're going back a little bit further, uh-huh. like understanding that, okay, whenever my, my kid, my, my daughter sins, it's, that's a symptom of what's in her heart and, and yeah. her view of, of herself or her view of God and, and how she ought to live. Mm-hmm. So that is an opportunity. It is not for me to just go and, you know, stop doing that and you're making me embarrassed yeah. and things. That's, no, that's, she's showing me her heart. God is giving me an opportunity yeah. to point out her sin to her and point her to the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that, that whole paradigm has shifted as well. So, okay. Yeah. So walk us through your decision um, to join the elder team. That is a great question. About a year ago, um, you asked me to if I would like to start coming to the elder meetings just to kind of observe and, and see um, how things are going. We had been talking for quite a while about leadership, and, um, and I was like, okay, 
Sure, yeah, I think that would be fun. So I, I started coming, <laughs> yeah. and I would, I would just go in there and sit and listen to how these godly men were um, processing through issues in the church, uh, making decisions, talking about uh, just kind of the, the behind-the-scenes uh-huh. things that go on. Um, and I just saw the, the joyful um, camaraderie that you, you men have as you're working together for the gospel to make much of Christ and to love these people. And, and so that was really mm-hmm. neat for me to see. Um, and yeah, just over the year, I, I learned a lot watching you guys talk through things. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's kind of it's kind of been a blur. Right? Some at some point, you, you uh, talked to me about well, I think you're, you're doing okay here. Um, go ahead and fill out this um, I'll call it an application. application. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty big. <laughs> so yep. that took me a few months to to complete and get it back. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I think. Um, again, your, your, your comment about if you don't lead, somebody's going to. And so uh-huh. if, if the elders that are currently in place believe and they see the ability and, and the qualifications mm-hmm. in me, then and I, will, I will do that because, mm-hmm. I mean, somebody needs to, and I will. Yeah. So you sat in on the meetings. What are some of the lessons that you just learned? Yeah, it, I... It's interesting because I, I see different leadership teams, you know, at, at work yep. um, and things. And so, I, it was refreshing to see that there is a, a way to lead together as a group, where we are, um, we're talking about important things, um, very weighty things, sometimes very um, difficult things, making decisions, and there is such a, a love for one another, and and a, no one's insisting on their way. And that's, that's different. Um, and, it, and it's all for a common purpose. I think in other leadership teams, everybody's got a little bit different idea of what should be happening or mm-hmm. what our goals should be. Um, and so we, it's just kind of jockeying for position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned that that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. Um, and we, we can be really united. And, and, and not that everybody has the same opinion about what should happen, but there is a trust in one another that, they, that you love Christ, and you love Christ, and you love Christ, mm-hmm. and I love Christ, and, and even though my way, I'm not getting my, my way here, that's okay, because I, I trust that you, you love the Lord, and I will defer, because I'm the, I'm the odd man out on this particular opinion, so uh-huh. I trust and love you guys, and, and we, and I'm with you on the decision, so. Yeah, so what do you think makes a, um, a good elder? Um, yeah, I think the two things we, we can go through, like the qualifications, but I think two things would be humility uh, and fear of the Lord. Um, at least from my perspective, those are the things that I, I really need to focus on because humility is, is like connected to what we just talked about. As mm-hmm. I don't have to insist on getting my, my way or my yeah. view doesn't have to be or my decision doesn't have to be the final thing because yeah. um, you guys are wise, godly men, mm-hmm. and if I don't, if my view is not the one taken, that's okay, I can humble myself and I get on board because I, I trust yeah. you. Um, and then fear of the Lord, I think, because in leadership, and this is in any role of leadership, there's always pressures to do things a certain mm-hmm. way that people want to have your ear to, to influence you. Um, and so I can get Leadership gets really complicated in my short experience when mm-hmm. I'm thinking about how to please different constituencies of yeah. people I'm leading um, versus where I, if I'm fearing the Lord and I'm, I'm seeking truly to do um, what is right uh, according to the, the wisdom that God has given me and, and the position that he has given me, 
uh, and I can make a decision, even if, if it may not be very popular, um, and I can, with humility, go ahead and make that decision and humbly explain and talk to people, this is why we're doing this. I know this might not be very popular, yeah. but this is right, and because I'm fearing the Lord more than I'm fearing uh, yeah. men. So kind of building on that, um, like for you personally, I'm going to just state that you're 33 years old. You're going to become an elder. Um, where do you see yourself needing to grow to kind of fill that uh, role? Yeah, I, I, well, as far as growing as a leader, there are you know, certain things that as I get into, some of the conversations we have at those meetings are like, I'm not really sure how to do all the budget and, and like money things and making yeah. these, some of these other decisions. And there's a lot of background, a lot of some of these topics. So I think I need to just grow in my understanding of how those things work. Um, yeah. Some of the background about how we have come to make decisions. I've, I've observed um, mm -hmm. Scott does a really good job of asking questions. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I really need to know how we came to this point in kind of the, the history of the church. So I need yeah. to understand more of those things. Um, and I think... Yeah, John Warnley always said you need to know why a fence is there before you take it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's good advice, yeah. right? Yep. So, <laughs> understanding understanding that kind of stuff, um, I need to grow and continue to just to grow in godliness and and my leadership, communicating. Um, I think the other thing is I want to make sure that I'm getting to know more people and and making sure I'm intentionally looking out um, because I, you know one of the back to reading and authors mm -hmm. one of the things that I. Well, I'm in this elder process, I need to be kind of have a better understanding of what my responsibilities are, and mm -hmm. one of those is is got to be making sure I'm watching for the health of of these yeah. people that we love, and um, and that's that's hard, and that's going to be an adjustment for me because I'm I'm normally looking out for people that I know and, and love and care for, um, and that that group has gotten bigger over the years, yeah. but um, I just the scope of the responsibility is sobering, mm -hmm. and yeah, so so do you have like personal areas too that you're trying to work on sure yeah um i think sustained prayer is has been always been hard for me i, I will start praying in the mornings and then before you know it i'm i'm thinking about you know what i need to do with that person oh I'm, i need to send that email and then, um so i my mind is wanders very quickly so I've, that's yeah. where i need to i need to grow one of the ways i need to grow is um being able to focus and and, and sustain prayer for a little um, bit longer um scripture memory is another one that um in seasons of life i've been pretty good about I remember years ago, David Wernley and George Sleazer, we, mm -hmm. we did that uh, Memorize the Word um, class, and that was a lot of fun. It was really good. We had a whole system. We met weekly. We recited our, our verses. That was really good for me. Um, and then there's been periods where I've been trying to memorize um, texts of Scripture. Um, so really growing in that. I want to um, grow in my reading of Scripture, my memory of Scripture, and then also like meditating on Scripture, not just I'm mm -hmm. doing my devotion, I'm reading scripture, and then check the box, and now mm -hmm. I'm done, and I go to work, and, and yep. I don't think about it uh, mm -hmm. more. So those are three basic ways that I really need to, to grow. Okay. So as you kind of look forward um, to, Lord willing, being an elder, and possibly being an elder for a long time, since they're almost like Supreme Court justices at our church. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it'd be good to just know, in your opinion, what is a healthy church? Yeah, I think 
Um, a lot of it is things that I've learned by being here, so that's, a, that's good. Okay. I, I mean, that's a joyful thing when um, a focus on Scripture and a high view of Scripture is, is what we, we say a lot. Um, mm-hmm. When you're preaching, it's preaching the Word of God. Um, that is the first, um, probably most important piece of that, of a healthy church, mm-hmm. is that the Word is being preached. Um, and then, it, then it's, the Scripture is also the basis of, of all of our other ministries, our youth ministries, our children's ministries, young adult college, um, our counseling ministry. When, when that's informed and uh, immersed in Scripture, that's, that's a sign of a, of a healthy church. And I think another real obvious and basic one is, is that we love one another. Jesus said that they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So um, just deepening relationships in the church, love for one another, serving one another, um, mm-hmm. for the good of the other is, is a sign of the healthy church. Yeah, that's good. So we have a couple more questions, but being that we have been so efficient with time, we're going to do something kind of edgy here. Uh-oh. We're going to ask the congregation to maybe think of some questions. Mm-hmm. So we have two more questions, so I know a lot of times you favorite don't want color, to do it right away. Favorite, favorite animal, color, those kinds of things. Favorite sports teams. Sports I mean, teams, yes, college. All, all that stuff. So we're going to do a few more questions, and we're going to open it up to you guys. So um, maybe if you have something, start formulating it, okay? So um, it, you work in Chase County. You live in Emporia. You know, kind of been out in the you know, world for a while. Um, maybe just give us some of your thoughts on just the spiritual state of this region, you know, this community, Lyon County, Chase County, you know, the Tri-County area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I mean, before August 2nd, I would have, I would have probably had a higher view of, of the health of the region, and okay. then that vote happened, and then I was like, uh, that's So why good. did you that's have the good. higher view of the, of the region? Uh, I don't know. I, I thought we were, I mean, it's just Kansas, you know, we're conservative, and we, we have some affiliation with church somewhat at some points, um, and so it's just, you know, you, mixing the Christian with conservative um, political values and things like that. So I, I would have thought that um, a lot of times conservative conservatism maybe is tied with you know a mm-hmm. some kind of a knowledge of, of God or of Scripture, um, and then to see how that vote happened and how yeah. it wasn't even as close as I, I thought it yeah, might be. Yeah, even in Lyon County, wasn't well, even close. Yeah, it was not close. Um, and and I know that there's yeah, Chase there's, County just eked by. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there were things that just surprised me, and, and you can contribute some of that to some of the ads that were being run. And there, there's a variety of things that maybe you could contribute that to, but just the didn't seem that there's a thoughtful um, consideration of what God might want yeah. uh, us to vote like, you know. And so yeah. that was a little discouraging. And, and I know that they're still like conservative in, in a political sense, um, but. It, but I've kind of explained it uh, to a few people as in, I think we have conservative instincts or impulses that we don't really know why yeah. or the, the foundation below them, um, which used to be a, an understanding uh, or an interpretation of scripture or because um, there were reasons this is good for society. Now it's just like, that just doesn't seem right. But when you don't have that foundation, it's easy to be persuaded otherwise. And so I think that's, yeah. that's happened a lot mm-hmm. um, where truth and is no longer like connected with scripture it's just you know i, I have yeah. my own truth and that might be true for you and, and so some of that stuff that i thought that, well, that's for like california 
but no, it's, it's nope, it's in Kansas, it's and in it's Kansas. in Lyon County, and it's in Chase County, and it's in, yeah. you know, so it's it's everywhere, and so that, I think that was, it was more, we were more further along that path than I thought we were, I suppose. Yeah. So I would say the health of the region, spiritually, not not great. Yeah. Um, and so that can either cause you to be really um, depressed and pessimistic, or you can, we can see that as, as an opportunity to, to be a light. Mm -hmm. um, and shine the light of the gospel. Yeah, for sure. So five years from now, where would you like to see our church? You know, there, there's not a lot of things where I would see we need to like make significant changes. I think there may be some expanding some things. Like one of the things that we've been focused on for quite some time now is the counseling center. And mm -hmm. I'd love to see that um, up and running and, and really serving uh, our church um, and then the community. Um, Expand on that a little bit. Why yeah. do you want to see that happen? Yeah, it would be one way we've talked about is is like on Wednesday nights when you, the kids are coming to Awana, not Awana, it's no longer Awana, it's Adventure Club. Adventure Club, and that's then, right. And, so the, and then the parents are able to go and get um, some biblical counsel. Um, I would love to see um, more of sometimes biblical counseling is, is kind of, it seems like a technical thing that, that only... Um, Pastor Dave and the elders do, and maybe a few others who have been really trained. But uh, biblical counsel is just is providing or, and helping people see how Scripture informs mm -hmm. how they ought to live. Yep. Um, and so we all do that. You all do that. Um, it's just, are you doing it accurately or not? So, mm -hmm. so wanting to grow in that. Um, one other thing would be, and maybe this is just some, some of, um, from my perspective, I, I have a lot of friends in this church that I, I love dearly uh, and deeply, and we've been friends for a long time. Some of us are still in, from college days, you know, right. still here. And um, I think one thing that I've sensed at times, and not necessarily in my friend group, but just as I interact with people, there's a hesitancy to really let somebody into your life and really mm -hmm. let somebody um, give you counsel, uh, even rebuke if, if necessary. And not saying that every time I need I hang out with friends that there needs to be a deep theological discussion, but is that ever happening? Hmm. Uh, n you know, not that I need to rebuke somebody every time I talk with them or, or rebuke somebody in the group. You know, somebody's sinning, yeah. so I need to. Re but if is that ever happening? Uh, yeah. It, you know, so not swinging a pendulum and forcing things, but but yeah. being willing and, and being open to so somebody needs to come and talk to me about something that's difficult. Yeah. They, they have the permission, so to speak, to do that. Yeah. I've gone and talked to them. And, and because I love that person is, is what's motivating me to, to, to encourage and, and yeah. uh, help them grow and, and then vice versa. Do you have any time this week to get together, by the way? You I know, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty booked. booked. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, those are good words. Good words. So kind of open it up to the congregation. Anybody have any questions you'd like to ask Brock? Okay, well, free coffee, free coffee for the first person to do it. It just takes one. How big a family did you grow up in? Um, so I grew up in a house with three siblings and my mom and I. So we were a house of five. My, my dad lived about an hour away. Um, and, and so we, and we would see him. We would go um, in the summers and, and every, every few weekends during the school year. So... That was basically, I have several half-siblings, too. 
um, but didn't see them a whole lot, just when I would go to my dad's house or, or things. So, but basically, it was my three siblings and I and my mom. All right. Free coffee for you, Rick. Way to break the ice. Good. Other questions? KU. Yeah, favorite sports team. What do you like to do to relax? Well, that is a good question. I, um, some things I have to I have to think about this because I like the idea of some things more than I like doing them. Like, uh -huh. I like the idea of doing a lot of stuff outdoors and then I get out and it's hot. I'm like, okay, well, let's we'll cut yeah. this short a little bit. <laughs> but we like to um, we like to play games with the the family. We just were. Do you have a particular game you like to play? Um, card games with my wife. We've over the years we've kind of like, skipped bow and um, mm -hmm. phase ten. But there's another one. No, I, no, that was skip bow. I was thinking of the wrong game. So yeah, um, then golf because uh, George showed me how to play golf once. So we golf the golf, card game. Golf card game. Okay. Yes, not the golf, the real game because I'm terrible at that. Uh -huh. um, but other than that, I love to play basketball. Um, Play, try to play in the summers, especially once a week. There's a group of, of guys from the community that go and play at 12th Avenue Baptist Church. So we go out and, and I try to get out there and play when I can. So I um, love to play basketball. I love to follow sports. Um, we do, we're kind of musical. We do a lot of singing and, and dancing a little bit at our house. Okay. Um, so yeah. Back from what you learned at church, right? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit different dancing. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's the same. Don't give this man a ribbon, right? That's all I could say. So, yeah. Tambourine. Okay, we got a question here and a question here. Damn, starting to break. Favorite place for vacation. Favorite place for vacation. Ooh, I, let's see. We just went to celebrate our, our 10 year anniversary. We went to Cancun, so that was fun. Uh huh. Um, so, that we got to do that just this summer. Other than that, we've, we've not been on to a whole lot of places. We went on our honeymoon, we went to San Diego, that was fun. Um, we've been to Colorado, and that was kind of a family camp, and then we kind of stole away for a couple of days. That was years ago, too. I'm trying to think, what Branson. else? Branson. Branson, yes, we went, on, we went to Branson. Yeah. The girls loved it, it was awesome. Um, mm -hmm. So we went to Branson for a couple of summers ago, but yeah. that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah. All right. Corrine? That is a great question. So um, my mom is actually here. Yeah, right actually right here. So way to put her on the spot. Uh, yes. So mom, how does it? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but no, I think that a, is a good question. That's a though. good question. It is. Um, I think initially, I I actually um, didn't handle it very well. Like when when my theology changed, I would go and I would, um, you know, you you have that stereotypical cage stage where you want to go and beaten everybody into Reformed theology. Um, yeah, and they call it arguments. cage stage because the best place you can put that person is in a cage. In a locked room. And don't let him out. In the yeah. basement. Until he... So, but I, I did not do very well, and so I would... I would um, it was interesting because I, I kind of felt like the people I grew up listening to and were my spiritual leaders... I felt like, well, that's, you didn't, you didn't know anything, or, uh, so I, I was, I kind of, that was offensive, to, so when I talked to uh -huh. my family about that, and I was like, well, actually, here's what the Bible says, and here's what you need to believe, and, and so that was not good. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think today there's not um, not a lot of charismatics. Of, my mom's going to a different church. Um, they are. It's a Baptist church. Um, they actually sent a contingent Bible. to Iron Man, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Some people, and I think they the year the COVID year they they streamed it over there at their church. Yeah. So it was yeah. So there there's a, a group of them there that that were involved in that. Um, as far as other siblings, I think one of the things that that really changed in me too is is I I thought well, I grew up thinking everybody everybody's a Christian, you know, because all you got to do is you walk the aisle and you pray the prayer yeah. and you maybe you do some other things and <laughs> and then you uh, then you're a Christian. And so everybody's done that. I mean, what? so everybody's a Christian. Siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents, all, all of that. They're all Christians. And then seeing that, that that's not really what you do to be saved. And there should be, there's fruit that comes from a, a transformed heart and not seeing the fruit. And so that, that was um, a little bit scary for me too. So I, that kind of led to some urgency as talking to different people in my family and, and trying to convince them that they needed to... Um, be a little bit, you needed to do some self-examination. So, um, as far, so now I think things have changed quite a bit. I've, I've kind of cooled down a little bit. And so now I, I play the long game. That's another yeah. phrase that, that Dave has used for, with me over the years. Like you play the long game. Nothing's going to happen right now. So um, having conversations when they present themselves and, and loving them and, and serving these, these people that I'm trying to, to minister to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other questions? Yes, Ann. I'll repeat it for the people at home. So basically, how do you import your Christian worldview into a secular environment like a school, you know, and trying to help those kids, you know, be blessed with just the biblical perspective on life? Yeah, as far as behavior, it, it is difficult because you, I'm, I can't just say, okay, let's look at, the, look at what Scripture says, little mm-hmm. Johnny, and, and go walk him through that. But I think what, one of the things that I've just been trying to do these first few years is is to for the little for the children connecting okay you did that because you wanted something like you didn't do that well yes Sally did that to you I understand but you wanted something so you need to be aware of that and you you decided that it was worth it was important enough that you acted out in whatever way it was so trying to connect the behavior to a desire in their heart has been the primary way that I've been trying to, to work with kids um, and then with, with staff, it's just kind of bringing them, uh, just talking to them about, um, and a lot of them are, are, are already there. Um, it's a little bit different context than, than an, an Emporia school, um, but mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. is like they're, they're doing that because they want something that's not, a lot of times in my teaching career, it was, I would hear a lot about, you know, you, if you set in the right um, structures and if your classroom is set up in such a way, and you talk to them in the right ways, and you've got your tone, and you're being nice, and all these kind of things, then those kids will, of course, they'll behave. <laughs> and it's, like, and so, but, but it's like, everybody believes that. All the, all, we all were like, yeah, yeah. So then every year, at the beginning of the year, we had to be fired up and setting up new things in the classroom and trying to make sure that everything's perfect. And then the kids get in, uh-huh. and then it doesn't take long before everybody's like, oh, well, 
And there was a lot of, well, this is just, I'm just a bad teacher. I'm not doing this right. And there's a lot of stress that comes because of that. When what I try to do is, it's okay, these, these kids are not blank slates. They're not a little morally neutral beings yeah. that are just responding to what you do. No, they are active in their, uh, their decision-making and in their responses. Yes, a lot of them do have some difficult things that are happening at home. Mm -hmm. They have hard things in their lives. But that does not, and we can't tell them or teach them that that makes it okay for you to do to act out in whatever way you want to. Yeah. So yeah, life is hard, and I'm sympathizing, and we love them through it. But we also help them see that, that you are responsible for for the words that you say, and the things that you do, and how you treat people. So, um, and and that's that sounds really basic, and so it, it's pretty easy for people to like, okay, oh yeah, that that makes sense, because all you got to do is ask a, a teacher or a staff member, like, mm -hmm. how many times have you, you know, worked really hard to set it up, and then everything went perfectly, like nobody talked back, nobody hit their neighbor, nobody did it all. It's never happened. Nobody's been disrespectful, rolling your eyes, sighing and yelling, and whatever that the case is. That mm -hmm. doesn't happen because they are moral agents. They're active in their mm -hmm. uh, in their own lives, and so they're making decisions based on, like James four will say, your the desires and the the passions and the lusts of their heart. Uh, so pointing that out is is really important to help them. Like, okay, so it's not just because Sally called me a name. No, it's because I have a desire. I wanted to be first in line. I wanted to, yeah, so the, all of those things and say no, and try to bring that context to it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she got a question back there, Mark. Yeah, uh, you talked about loving teachers, teaching or have a desire to preach. Okay, love teaching, do you desire to preach? Yeah, I'm trying to take Pastor Dave's job yes. and, no. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I... <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, no. <laughs> Look so, at the time. So, Rick, we have to write down our objection and sign our name to it. That's how it goes. Okay. No, I, I don't think so. I think when... Yeah. Uh, well... I think, so when uh, I did an Ironman yeah. the last year in November, and that was the amount of work that that took and the time that it took for me to do that was enough so that I would not want to do that regularly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great, and it was great for me to do it. But it's great when it's done. It's great when it's done, yeah. yes. So I, I was, it was a great relief, but I don't know. Doing that, you know, even semi-regularly would be difficult. I think I did, again, it's kind of like teaching when, I, when, I, when I'm getting up here and I love to do it. Um, and I, I learned a lot myself and I think it was helpful. Um, so I will do, I will do it if, I, if, people, if the elders and we decide that, hey, this is something that Brock could do and it would be glorifying to the Lord and it would be helpful to the church, then, you know, yeah. of course I would do it, but it would be not, it's not my preference. I'm not looking to go into full-time ministry or anything like that. Yes. So I, I'm the principal of the elementary school, the Chase County Elementary School. All right. Got another hand raised over here. Yes. Any 
Yeah, do you have pushback in the school? Um, in, in some ways, yes, just because there are, um, let's see. So I, I tend to be different in my perspective on, on education, on how we should work with behaviors, um, policies that the, that the district should have. Now, I, we have a great team, and I respect my, my team, and so we work really well together, but I think my perspective is different. And so I wouldn't say that there's that it's a pushback on from the school. Um, every once in a while, you know, you get some people who are unhappy and, and will talk to me about mm -hmm. it. But I think um, by and large, it's they respect me, but they just don't agree with me. And so we we just have to find a compromise there. Um, so yeah, there's not not a lot of pushback because I'm not like again I'm not saying okay, well the scriptures say that this is how we ought to do it because uh, a lot of them don't see that as authoritative anyway. So that would be rejected out of hand. Um, and then, you know, the old, the old saying, you know, separation of church and state, um, which is, I think is misapplied and, and things. But that's, that's kind of mm -hmm. a default. People's instinct is, like, nope, don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of an obstacle to uh, sometimes. School, school board is very supportive. I, I, I really appreciate the school board that I work for. They're, they are, mm -hmm. um, again, it's kind of some of the same things. I might differ in perspective and, and some of the, the goals that I think we should pursue. But... The, the school board is, has, is really good. So I, I'm really happy with, yeah. with that, that part of my job. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It should be a really intended simple question for you, but I like to ask it when I interview um, teachers at the Christian school. Mm -hmm. Could you just explain the gospel in like two, two minutes? Sure, yeah. Um, so the gospel is the, uh, the truth that we are all sinners, that we have rejected and rebelled against God, who is our creator. Um, and, and we, where we should be fully obedient and fully loving him uh, because we owe him, He's our, he is our creator, we have rejected him. Um, and so we are, because of that, deserving of his just wrath for eternity. Um, but in his mercy, he sends Christ uh, to come and live the perfect life that we should have lived uh, perfectly obeying the Father, loving the Father, loving uh, people, and then after doing that for 33-odd years, he is put in our position. He takes our sin upon himself, dies on the cross to uh, satisfy the wrath of God towards sinners so that when we put our faith in Christ alone, um, he takes the punishment for our sins, and also we get his righteousness That's um, the great exchange that we that we hear and talk about a lot. So I am seen as righteous in Christ because of His perfect record, and, and now I have hope of an inheritance uh, in heaven with uh, with Christ, and I uh, I'm that is my home, uh, and that I look forward to. So that's the the, the gospel in a nutshell. I think. Mm -hmm. Is that two minutes? No. Ah. For a second, okay. Is that good? Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, here's a, I'll ask kind of a, some big picture questions. Um, maybe talk a little bit about the, what do you see as some of the strengths of our church? And then maybe talk about maybe what are some challenges that you think our church is going to face, both locally and maybe on a broader national level? That in front of us. So maybe strengths first, and then maybe some of the bigger challenges that we're going to face. Yeah, strengths would be, uh, I think we, we still have 
like that high view of God and the high view of his word. We, we want to know the word. We seek to apply scripture to what we're doing uh, and mm-hmm. how we orient our service and how we love one another. So I think that's, that's a great strength. Um, we have, I think we have a, a growing uh, love for the sufficiency of scripture for our daily lives uh, mm-hmm. as it evidenced by the, the counseling center that uh-huh. we're, we're working on and the group of people who are really purposely trying to, to get trained in those things. Um, we love the community, I think. Um, but I think that's also a potential for, for growth is how, do, how can we purposefully with the gospel um, mm-hmm. serve the community and, and love the community outside of, the, out of these walls? Um, and one of the primary ways is, you know, like we, we endeavor to do at work um, and with our relationships that as we go out into Monday through Friday mm-hmm. uh, doing those things. Um, so those are strengths. Those are, what was the second part of that question? And then what are some threats that we're facing locally? I mean, mm-hmm. I think you kind of mentioned the vote was kind of revealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even just on a more national level. Mm-hmm. So locally, what do you see some of the potential threats we might have? Locally, I think just because we're Americans, we have this individualistic view on things. And so I think that was um, something that I came to realize more as when we were doing the Ironman, uh, studying for Ironman and, and the godliness and how we, we mm-hmm. need one another to do that. That's a very, the Christian walk is a, a group walk. It's not just me and Jesus and, and we, um, I manage on my own. Um, and then the fact that sin blinds us to mm-hmm. our own sins so there, but there still is a resistance to sometimes me opening up and, and sharing with you where I'm struggling. I don't want you to know that necessarily, or mm-hmm. I want you to know it in a vague way. Like, so, so yeah, maybe I'm not so I struggle nice with to, patience. Yeah, I struggle yeah. with patience, or maybe I, I get a little frustrated sometimes. Well, yeah, instead of calling that for what it is in, in scripture, um, and, and getting help, and getting accountability, and setting up, mm-hmm. um, parameters and, and structures in my life with the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who might help me with that. So mm-hmm. there, I think there, sometimes there's a, uh, we love being together as a church here on Sunday mornings. And, and is there mm-hmm. a carryover into the week where, where my, my friends in church are holding me accountable for things. They know where I struggle. They know how they should be, or they, they can be praying for me. Um, so, so things like that. I think that's kind of, yeah, it's a Kansas thing, and, and it's also a, an American thing. I think, you know, you do it yourself and you mind your own business kind of thing. So I think that's a local threat. Yeah. Nationally, um, just, you know, as, and I think it's probably overblown because of the amount of, of things, what the news focuses on, and mm-hmm. like, you know, so national politics it can be very, obviously, divisive. You know, we, mm-hmm. we don't like to try to engage people who are different from us in, in those mm-hmm. kinds of ways. So um, I think as that continues to, to go on, the, the biblical worldview is gonna be continuing to be less and less attractive, less and less acceptable. Yeah. Um, so as far, as far as the reason why you, we might, we're against um, uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, abortion, there, there's mm-hmm. a variety of topics. Whereas the church is just faithful to scripture, that's gonna be less and less tolerable by the culture. And so we'll get yeah. probably more and more um, scorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would probably be the, the national thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, any other questions?
Yeah. Right. I think the best way is just to model it. And so for me, in the context of Bible study and being honest and saying, you know, this is, I struggled uh, with my anger this week, mm-hmm. and this is how it happened. Like, I, I said some things to my wife or my children, or I, I blew up at work, and I mean, I said these things. So being not just, you know, I was just a little angry this week. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, so was, so was I. Everybody's a little angry mm-hmm. this week. So, but... But being willing to, and, it, and it's it, the pressure is hard, is higher. You know, the, the the more you are in leadership, the less you want to show that stuff because it's, uh, you know, it, and it's connected to our pride, and not wanting people to know how I struggle specifically, or want them to think that I've got it pretty much under control. Um, but being willing to say, well, here, so I I didn't do that very well this week, and we're talking about it in in scripture and. This is how it looked, and so would you guys pray for me? Um, I think that would be the best way, because um, yeah, you can't force somebody to do that, right? But I can show I can show somebody how to do that, and I can mm-hmm. kind of help influence the culture of the Bible study, the culture of the the Sunday mm-hmm. school, or the culture of, of our friend group by being willing to do that and and being humble to not uh, be so fearful of what they might think of me if if they knew because. The reality is I'm struggling with it, mm-hmm. right? So that is the reality. God sees it. God's not, um, God's not mocked. He sees all the things that I struggle with. So as much as I try to pretend, that's just, that's just adding to the weight of sin and the, and the burden of my conscience. And, and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of things that, that happen as, as a result of that. All right. So. Well, Naomi, go ahead. One last, last question. You get the honor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you sharing about what that might look like um, amongst like the leadership body, the, the shepherds showing humility towards each other. But I wondered if you could just spider web a little bit about like what the role of humility in in regards to shepherding the, the flock. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a it's a tough one. I think basically. Um, it means that I, I don't prefer myself, and that there's things that maybe I would rather not do, um, but because I think more highly of others, and I think more highly of my brother over here who, might, who needs me to come and, and help him some way. Um, it is self-denial and looking for the good of others. And so I know that's not very practical, but um, so as I, you know, during fellowship time when we do the snacks, I'm, I'm looking for, instead of like, I want to go talk to uh, my friend over there because, you know, we, we're going to go out and hang out or something and, I, and we want to talk about that or we want to talk about the, the KU basketball victory or, what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But instead, there's, there's, a new, there's a new person over there that, um, that is kind of on, on his own and I need to go over and talk with that person and ask questions and, and love that person. Um, that, that could even look like, okay, um, this person over there is, is pretty clearly living in sin. And so the loving and humble thing to do is not just like, well, I just, I'll pray for him and hopefully he gets over mm-hmm. that. Well, the loving thing and the humble thing would be to go and ask questions and begin to engage him and walk with him um, to help him understand what, what faithfulness to Christ looks like and how the present trajectory of, of his life or her life is going to lead to heartache and, and more sin and destruction. So, um, 
it, it can be, you know, going and walking with somebody through um, sin, but, it, you know, like smack them inside the head and say, stop yep. sinning, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but loving them and, and understanding that I am tempted in some of the same ways. And, and, I, and um, that, that, so that's how humility would, it would inform all of those things that, um, that we know we ought to do. Yeah. Well, let me pray real quickly and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Well, Father, we do thank you for the work you've done in Brock's life and how you brought him to this church and you brought him to the Lord. You brought him a wife and you've really grown and matured him into the man that he is today. And Lord, as we uh, consider him for being an elder, we're just in awe at your work uh, in his life. And we pray that you'll continue to grow him and help him um, to be used of you to help others grow as well. We know that the desire of his heart is to honor you and glorify you and One of the ways that you've given him to do so is by building and potentially leading this church. So we just uh, pray that you will uh, continue to complete the work you began in him. In Christ's name, amen.